Welcome to Cornerstone on the Go. Uh, we're getting ready to turn the page here to April. And as we do that, despite the showers that we've experienced this week, my allergies are in full force. So I apologize if I sound a little stuffy or from time to time you hear me uh, make a sound with my nose <laughs> trying to control um, the allergies uh, that I'm dealing with. So with that being said, again, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, last week we started to take a look at the book of Deuteronomy, uh, specifically the Shema. And in part one of our focus on Deuteronomy, uh, chapter six, verses four through five, we concluded that since there's one God uh, who's revealed himself through the scriptures, through the Bible, he alone is worthy of our worship. Uh, when attending the student weekend this past weekend, which was just a great experience all the way around, I was so very appreciative of all the youth pastors who are making up uh, and heading up this effort called Youth Collective in our local association of churches. And it was just great to see the kids experience, our kids get to experience that with other students around the city and in the local area. But on top of that, it's just been great to have some follow-up conversations with a few of our youth concerning answering the call to ministry, or at least wrestling with that call, feeling like God may be calling them into full-time ministry, and then getting a text from a young lady that went with us over the weekend uh, saying that she wanted to be baptized. And so we just uh, see God doing doing His work. Remember, um, as a church, our five-year vision within three years uh, we desire as we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and being obedient to the Word of God uh, to see 25 people at least uh, confess their faith in Christ through baptism. So just thankful to see God moving uh, uh, in, in His people and in this body. But over the weekend, the speaker, Pastor Jay Sanders, and I don't know if this definition of worship is original with him or if he found it somewhere else, but I, I like the definition of worship. During one of the sessions, he said that worship is being preoccupied with God and nothing else. The only picture I could think of was going to the Gospel of Luke, where Mary and Martha are at the house, and Jesus is there as well. And Martha is busily preparing the meal uh, for the guests and for Christ, while Mary sits at Jesus' feet. And it's not that Mary didn't have anything else she could be doing, as evident by the request of Martha to Jesus later. Uh, telling, uh, asking Jesus to be like, "Hey, can you know? Can you can you tell my sister to help me out? There's a lot to do here, and I'm carrying the load." So she had other things to do, but worship as being preoccupied with God and nothing else. I couldn't help but begin to think about Mary just sitting at Jesus's feet. She was there, learning from Him, communing with Him, and as a byproduct all, of all this, as she sat at His feet, is Symbolic of her just submitting all of her, herself to him. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 told us why our triune God is worthy of our worship and total devotion, while we ought to sit at his feet. But this week we'll see what is involved in being sold out to him. How, how do we love this God? That is spirit who has revealed himself through the scriptures, through creation, through his son, through his spirit. And I turn my attention to football. Now, whether you love Tom Brady, hate Tom Brady, or just indifferent to Tom Brady, uh, you can make a very good argument that this now retired quarterback, <clears throat> excuse me, this now recently retired quarterback 
is probably the greatest quarterback, if not football player of all time. When you look at a, a 2018 um, interview on Fox's uh, First Things First, uh, the panel asked Mark, who was a former football player, veteran football player for 12 years, and then and now both uh, sports commentator, the question on how remarkable is Tom Brady's run? The way that Mark describes uh, don't forget, this is a man who played for over a decade on the same demanding skill level platform as Tom Brady did in the NFL. So it's coming from somebody who's been there and done that kind of thing. While he wasn't a quarterback, he still played in the NFL for a long tenure. But this is what Mark had to say about Tom Brady's run. He said, it's incredible. Uh, Brady is not sated by success. I think that's the most impressive thing to me. To continue to prepare, to continue to grind, Brady's quote is this, if you want to beat me, you better be ready to lose your life because I've already given up mine. Brady's former backup quarterback said that the first thing I learned from Tom Brady is playing quarterbacks, not a job, but a lifestyle. And you got to be willing to commit your life to it and to be able to commit your life to playing the game the way that he has played it and to have that much passion for it without ever being sated by it. He goes on to say that when he wakes up, it's all about what I'm going to do today to be the best quarterback I can be for this organization. That means diet. That means exercise. That means hydration. And Sundays aren't the problem. Monday through Saturday, that's the problem. You get to a point somewhere in your career, I don't want to prepare anymore. If I could show up on Sundays, that would be great. But I don't want to go through the grind, the grind of preparing to get to Sunday. Of Tom Brady, it said that he still eats that grind for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed. When you realize like how committed Tom Brady was to playing quarterback for the Patriots and then for the last three years of his career, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's no wonder why he's considered the greatest of all time. Of course, that statement's always up for debate like any any great sports comment or claim is and of course records are made to be broken but you can't help but begin to really at least admit there's a good case for Brady being the best when you look at all the career records set by him and held by him currently if I were Robert Kraft the owner of the New England Patriots I could not ask anything more of my franchise's quarterback than what was said of Tom Brady and exemplified during his two decades of playing for the Patriots. But here's the thing. No matter how inspirational, no matter how admirable Brady's devotion was to the game, um, that eventually made him a household name and will put him in the Hall of Fame for sure, uh, that devotion was misplaced. The commitment toward Tom Brady playing quarterback, though misplaced, I think can teach us something about us as Christians on what our commitment level, what it looks like to be completely sold out to Jesus Christ. In fact, we can take the descriptions and the comments said of Tom Brady along with scripture, and I believe answer the question, what does it mean to be sold out to God? In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 5, 
Moses reminded the people of Israel, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. If you uh, go and you look at morethansundaymornings.com, you'll see that on the blog post I highlighted a few of the either quotes or descriptions or phrases that kind of stuck out to me as it pertained to Tom Brady, his work ethic, dedication, and supreme love for the game. To where if we applied those same characteristics, if those same statements could be said about us, uh, then I think it would ultimately change everything about our walk and experience uh, with Jesus Christ uh, in our lives on the day-to-day level. But yet, the one quote that I want to focus on is the one that Tom said of his self. He said, if you want to beat me, you better be ready to lose your life because I've already given up mine. This is a statement of like total devotion. This that were, These words describe a man of focus. Tom laid down his life so that he could pick up whatever diet, whatever exercise, exercise regiments, drills, to watch any amount of total film, hours upon hours upon hours of film, whatever it took to become the best. Tom was a man that was sold out to the game of football, and it mirrors how we ought to be sold out to God, our Savior. God called his people to love him supremely there in Deuteronomy 6.5. He called us to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. All means that there's nothing left out for any other gods in our life. God required Israel's unshakable commitment to him and love of him because that was really their only correct response to this God whose immovable commitment and love to them were expressed and sealed in his covenant relationship with them. Because of that, they're to demonstrate their love of God by obeying His commands. For it's only by obeying His commands that they could love Him correctly and supremely. Totally. God gave His people His commands so they could know how to love Him correctly. So in a way, God's commands for the Israelites then and for us today reveals God's love language to us as His people. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12-13. through The Bible says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all of your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. So we see that what does the Lord require of the covenant people? that they would fear him, that they would be in awe of him, that they would respect him. And how will they do this? By living in a way that pleases him. And by doing these two things, they demonstrate their love and service to him. In other words, to summarize, the Israelites, I mean, the Israel's, Israelites' love for God was manifested through their obedience to his ways. In fact, obedience is how we demonstrate our love for God today. In John chapter 15, verse 14, Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commandments. He was speaking to his disciples. It was one of the very uh, last few things that he taught to his disciples before being betrayed and arrested and crucified on the cross for their sins, our sins, and the sins of the world. So in other words, 
as we read God's Word, as we understand more about this triune God, uh, He gives us His ways. His ways reflect who He is and what He uh, desires of us. His commands show us how we can live in relationship with Him. His revealed commands reveal to us how we are to correctly express our love for Him. I'll say that again. His revealed commands reveal to us how to correctly express our love to Him. Again, think about God's commands as His love language, if you're familiar with the five love languages that were mentioned last week by Gary Chapman. When I think about this, I think about fishing. Now, you might think that's a little crazy. But it's been several years since I've been able to go fishing with a good friend of mine. But when we first went fishing together, he told me about a specific bait. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to ruin his trade secret by any means. But I took him at his word and I went and bought this specific bait in this specific color that he swore by. And sure enough, I really do believe that there's something about this bait that bass find irresistible. And the reason why we transitioned to this idea of fishing, this topic of fishing, as we're talking about being completely sold out to God, is this, is that just like a well-placed bait and a well-selected bait can entice an unexpected fish to being hooked and possibly being fried up, the world lures us with this. The world tempts us to compartmentalize our faith. Here's what I mean. We might be willing to obey God's commands in one area of our lives, yet we justify our disobedience in another. But Jesus taught this parable that just like yeast permeates a whole clump of dough, it spreads throughout, leaving none of the dough unaffected. The gospel is to saturate every area of our lives, leaving no space unchanged by its power. Like Brady being totally devoted to football, laying his life down to the game more than just on Sunday mornings. We as followers of Jesus are called to such a level of devotion. We're called to more than just being a Christ follower for two hours on Sunday morning. And sometimes Sunday presents a problem for Christ followers. As evidenced here in uh, probably my generation, me being 38 and down, I especially see this in in my generation, Uh, parents with kids, there's just a struggle. I don't know if it's apathy, I don't know if it's priorities, I don't know if it's bad habits or a combination of all of them. I always say it's a heart issue, and so if you're listening to this, this is just just as a a brother in Christ, as as a pastor, as a a fellow uh, disciple of Christ, Next week, we'll look at the book of Judges and the whole topic next week, and it's applicable if you find yourself as a a parent with young kids, a parent with adult kids, or a grandparent with grandchildren of any age, that faith is not passed down genetically. Our Christian faith is not genetic. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about um, Judges and, and family devotion and discipleship and those kind of things, but here's... Here's here's the point for this week. One, for the most part, being a Christian for two hours on Sunday morning is not the biggest struggle, but it's being a faithful follower of Christ, one totally committed to God, loving Him supremely with all of our being in every area of our life, Monday through Saturday. That seems to be the biggest thing, and yet, like Tom Brady, this is what we're called 
to do when it comes in our walk with Christ. God demands this type of lifestyle, and He's worthy of our love demonstrated through this lifestyle. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus puts this type of commitment another way. Jesus said to His disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. Tom Brady played in the NFL for 23 years. And he sought to become the best player in NFL history. To do so, he gave up his life for those 23 years. And I get prior to that, you know, playing college and and growing up playing football and that kind of thing. I get all that. But just, just for the sake of the NFL, gave up his life, laid down his life for 23 years to become the greatest quarterback of all time. And while his commitment to becoming the greatest of all time is admirable and his efforts paid off in this area of his life, it was still misplaced. But yet we see a player who loved football with all of his heart, with all of his inner man. Thus he made his decisions based on his supreme love for football and his desire or goal to be the best player. His mind was probably preoccupied for the majority of the time with trying to understand his opponents better so that he could exploit their weaknesses or how to understand his own team's weaknesses and strengths so that they could improve their play better. And no doubt, he probably always had himself under a fine-tuned microscope. Before the games, no doubt, he would begin to clear his mind from any distractions so that he could be preoccupied with nothing else except for the game and task at hand and defeating his opponent and playing to the best of his ability. The other six days out of the week, and I guess you probably just say seven days out of the week, Tom Brady laid down his life, laid down his cravings for maybe certain foods so that he could train his body through diet, through exercise, and getting enough sleep. He sacrificed staying up late to watch maybe his favorite TV show. Sacrificed staying in bed so that He would get up and have enough time to exercise. He cared for and trained his body so that he could play the game with all of his strength and all the skill that his body could exert. So for more than 20 years, Tom Brady gave up his own way and took up the way of the the football, following his dreams and his goals. And the comments made by his teammates and sports commentators speak of a man who laid down his life so that he could have a fully committed lifestyle of an NFL quarterback. Tom was a man completely sold out to football. And even though his accomplishments and his awards are impressive, they will one day fade away. And I couldn't help but begin to think that may we who run for the crown that does not fade run the race with at least that same level of discipline and purpose that athletes like Brady have as they compete for temporary fame and awards. May we desire to love God supremely and demonstrate our love for him by completely obeying his commands, or as in the words of Jesus, picking up our crosses and following him. In summary, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4-5, teaches us that there is one God, so we're to love him supremely. We show God our love by obeying his commands. He's given us these commands so that we might know him, but also so that we might know how to express our total love to him correctly. So with the truths of 
these scriptures in mind, I couldn't help but begin to, to be led this way, uh, just to pray for us. And uh, so I'd like to do that as we end our time together this week. Father, God, I pray that you'd help me. God, that you'd help your people love you with all that we are. God, help us to demonstrate our love for you through our obedience to you. And God, may we do this so that others may observe, that they may make comments about our pursuit to you, similar to what has been said of Tom Brady's pursuit of being the greatest football player of all time. And God, we do this not for our own glory, like many athletes do, and many other people do as as they seek accomplishment in life. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same. So God, help us not to do this for our own glory, but for yours, so that others might behold your glory. God, so they may know you through your Son. And it's in Christ's name I pray these things for me and your people listening. Amen. Again, thanks for hanging out with us this week. I can't wait till next week. Uh, next week is kind of one of those pieces of scripture and topics as we talk about faith in the family that really challenge me as a father with young kids, but also uh, as I look at the landscape of just churches in general and the Word of God and how God has placed a primary role uh, or place of discipleship in the homes. And so anyways, uh, please join me next week. We'll take the journey together. Uh, Greater than Sunday mornings, we'll have um, gospel uh, journey journals as well, ready for the kids and for students. So then you've got a complete set of journals uh, that you can go through with, uh, with your kids, your grandkids, as couples, or as an individual. So with that being said, join me next week. Love you guys. And until next time, uh, 